G'day listeners, uh, just a little disclaimer before the uh, podcast starts. We recorded this before the news of uh, Connor Blakely's injury filtered through. So if you're wondering why we didn't address that in the podcast, uh, that's the reason and we'll take a look at that next week. Cheers. G'day listeners and welcome back to the Keeper League. My name is Hef and uh, fresh off 45 points at the uh, Grange Golf Course on Friday is my co-host Kays. How are you buddy? I'm better after Friday mate. Um, <laughs> that uh, little meme you sent of Charlie Kerno <laughs> hacking up the golf course a few months ago just really inspired me to actually uh, pick up the game. Golf. Yeah. yeah, good. That's what I like to see. Uh, yeah, 45 points is nothing to be sneezed at uh, on a real course too. So uh, well done. But we're not talking about golf. Um, no, we're the Keeper League and... Uh, uh, what we do is, uh, like Ballarat gold miners, I guess, we search for that juicy gold nugget uh, hidden in the large quantities of dirt that surround it. Uh, so, yeah, we might get stuck in. So we've got some uh, a bit of news this week. Um, Brad Crouch uh, had an injury um, during the week, uh, only minor, but we're going to just maybe talk about what the, the impact of that on our keeper league. So what do you think, Case? Yeah, I suppose um, Brad Crouch is obviously a good player, but I think it's just a good warning sign for everyone starting a keeper league yep. fresh that um, don't get sucked in sometimes to these guys like Brad Crouch who are injury prone. You yeah. Know, like they're, they're gun players. Um, he, yeah. Usually you pick him easy and he's going to be great for you. Yeah. But there's, uh, there's always players who are injury prone and then they can really derail your season mm-hmm. or really probably... Uh, derail your draft as well yeah so just be a bit mindful of players like that uh, crouch is one um you know deeper you know gary rowan's always had injury issues a few other people i know he's very irrelevant that was just one <laughs> guy that came to mind but you know there are always people and we know as footy uh, footy fans you know just be wary of some of these kind of players. Yeah, exactly. So with Crouch off the top of my head, had a good uh, first season, but I think he was still probably injury prone at the start of that. Mm-hmm. Then I think his second season was injury effect. I think he's only really played the one full season, which was the year he made the grand final. Yep. Um, every other season's probably been pretty injury pre- affected. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I guess one to watch out for. For me, if you've got him, look at trading him, I reckon, because I don't know, he's, he's a good scorer and he can definitely go over 100 this year if he kind of makes it through 22 games, but I just don't think he will. So you might find someone out there who's pretty keen on him or someone pushing for a flag, uh, especially if you're a bit lower down. He's a good uh, trade, uh, I guess, trade target or someone to trade out, I think. Yeah. And for me, it also uh, potentially highlights the importance of someone like Jordan Gallucci or Darcy Fogarty this year, where if Crouch continues to struggle with his injuries, yeah. these guys are the ones who are likely to, to get a bit more opportunity in the guts. For sure. For sure. The other big injury news that's just broken over the last 24 hours, Hef, is your boy Ollie Wines uh, come a cropper jet skiing or wakeboarding or whatever he does down on the river <laughs> yeah so um yeah not the uh, smartest thing to do on your uh, on your day off i think uh, especially if you're an elite uh footballer but i guess you've got to have some fun at some time as well can't be too serious all yeah, the time exactly um but who we think so if and i guess i think you're going to have scans uh this week so we don't really know the extent of the injury but apparently it's pretty significant from all the uh the twitter news that's come out so um you know if, if it is a shoulder a recall something like that <coughs> 
we might be looking at six months out of the game. Mm. So who's going to come in to uh, replace him? So I think the most relevant for keeper leagues, I think, is going to be uh, Sam Powell Pepper. They're pretty similar type players. And I think Port were probably already overloaded with uh, inside mids uh, last mm. year. So I think Sam Powell Pepper, if he can uh, get his act together, um, should be the one who comes in and benefits the most in terms of keepers. Uh, but that said, you know, Tom Rockliffe will probably play more uh, more full-time uh, midfield role. Uh, someone like Brad Ebert can play inside. Even someone like Travis Boak, who's been a inside midfielder in the past but I think now playing at forward he's actually too effective for Port as a forward mm-hmm. um, you know he might not look like he gets on the scoreboard a lot but I think he sets up a lot of play, play and he's in a lot of score involvements and things like that so he's someone that's actually rated uh, pretty highly from a, a statistical point of view anyway um, other people that might benefit and these guys are probably a little bit more outside but uh, Sam Gray um, and Hamish Harlett could even return to the uh, midfield um, and that would be pretty handy as a defender but I guess I know last year was probably one of his better scoring years before he got injured and that was playing that halfback role with so I think that suited him. So that might actually yeah. be a bit of a, uh, a bit of a downfall for keeper league uh, owners there. I'm not sure. What do you yeah. think, Case? Uh, Harlow will be interesting because there'll be, you know, he's almost a prime candidate recently of someone who's struggled with injury a fair bit. Yeah. With, um, knees and legs and bits and pieces. Yeah. Um, but he's one that is definitely going to be on a few uh, draft pools this year, I could see, just mm. with people not wanting to take the risk or yeah. a bit unsure coming off more injuries. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, he's he has shown he can score in the past and, Potentially, we don't even know what his best role is. You know, like he's done well playing in the midfield. He's done well playing off halfback in terms of scoring this year. Um, But yeah, potentially if Ollie Wines does miss a fair chunk of footy, it might mean a bit more responsibility for Hammer. Well, he's only ever going to be an 80 average, but as a defender, you take that. So. Defender 80 average, as we've said a million times before, mm. that is gold in, in fantasy. It is. Any other breaking news, guys? Yes. Um, some very, very big news in regards to the Carlton Football Club. Uh, turns out Alex Sosolo has broken his arm. Oh, no. Yeah, partying very hard on Australia Day weekend. Good <laughs> on you, Faz. That's going to uh, seriously impact uh, anyone playing VFL fantasy. Few AFL players out there, yeah, just partying a bit too hard over the Australia Day weekend. So chill out, boys, and uh, we need you for our keeper leagues. Yes. All right, let's get stuck into our league spotlight. So I did something a bit different this week, and uh, yeah, I'll let you have a listen and uh, see what you think. All right, this week I'm doing something different. Uh, I'm actually having a face-to-face interview with uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Rory from uh, Adelaide. Well, Port Adelaide, Birkenhead, through and through. How you going, mate? Yeah, not bad. Have yourself? Yeah, not too bad. So Rory's actually part of my uh, redraft league, which I am the uh, three-time premiership uh, coach of and uh, beat Rory in the grand final this year. So uh, we don't care about redraft leagues in this podcast, though. We're all about the, um, we're all about the keeper league. So... Rory, what I'm going to get you to do is just maybe, uh, yeah, tell us a bit about your league. So what's the name of it? How does it run? All that sort of stuff. Yep. All right. Well, our league is called the Dynasty Cup. Um, it's a 12-team league. Uh, we have 40 players on the list. Uh, it's $50 entry um, every year for everyone. Um, so the top six make finals. Uh, we have a two uh, two ad drops at round seven and 14. Yep. So that's sort of like reverse ladder order. Um, yeah. And you can, instead of doing an ad drop, you can also uh, opt to do a trade with um, another player. Yep. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, cool. So, um, yeah, so you said you've got, a, you know, squads of 40, did you say? Yep. Yep. And then you make um, you make four list changes each year, if I'm correct? Yeah, yeah. So, yep. the list change can um, include delistings and also trades with other players. So, you can make four trades and then- Yeah, and not uh, pick up anyone in the draft. Yeah, that's, that's who you choose to. Um, some players do that. Some players choose to draft. 
everyone does does it different. Yep. So uh, how does your team go? So what's the name of your team and won any flags or anything like that? Or uh, who's the so best player in your league? Anyone you want to shout out to? Or? Uh, so my team is the Bowden Red Hens. Uh, so originally it was the Birkenhead Guns, but <laughs> I've moved locations. So I had to have a, a team change name. Um, my best player... Ooh, Jackson McRae, I reckon. Yep. Um, I've got quite a young list. I'm in a bit of a rebuilding process. Yep. Um, Stankel's probably our best player at the moment. He He's just got, like, so much depth in the midfield. Um, crazy team. He um, he tends to sort of not go via the draft route, but he trades a lot. So okay, that yeah. works for him. Yeah, um, kind of just keeps topping up each year. Yeah, trade yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of uh, AFL clubs take that uh, that approach these days. Yeah, well, now with the you know free agency and all that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. All right. Um, so yeah, uh, you got a trophy? Is it named after anyone? Anything funny about it? No, we just it's got just a trophy of a footballer. It's um, just called the Disney Cup Trophy, I guess. So yep. we've sort of got all the names on it from the past winners. So we're under our tenth season now. So yeah. Uh, yeah, quite a few names building up on that. And I'm looking on your bookshelf, mate, and there's a trophy sitting over there with a few wooden spoons on it. Can you tell me something uh, Tell me something about that one? Uh, yeah, that's called the <laughs> Smegma Trophy. Uh, that's actually in my possession at the moment. That's, uh, that's the finishing last. Um, so the story behind that is uh, we have a, a guy in our league named Will and um, his team's named Smegma. Okay. And uh, so the first year he didn't come last, but then for five years after that he finished last. And we thought we needed to uh, name the trophy after his team. And I think the name Smegma is quite appropriate yeah, for, I think so uh, too. <laughs> for finishing bottom. So, yeah, that's in my possession at the moment on my, on my bookshelf, proudly sitting there. So, yeah. All right. So, um, how do you decide your draft order? Do you just do the linear approach or do you have your lottery or something like that? Yeah, we have draft draft lottery. So, um, how do you sort that? Is it just randomized or do you have like anything funny that you do with uh, it? Or? No, we just sort of put names in a heart. Usually, we'll, oh, okay. what we'll do yeah. it, uh, sort of once the season's ended is we'll get. Guys will get together. Um, this year we had a poker night and we're like, oh, why don't we do the draft lottery there? So we did it. That's pretty sweet. We yeah. recorded it and we always record it and put it on the Facebook group because, you know, yeah. you don't want people thinking, is there any sort of collusion yeah, exactly. or shit like that? So, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's what we do every year with that. Yeah, all right, cool. Uh, so, yeah, anything else about your league? Any funny stories or quirks or anything else that you do? Uh, yeah, I mean, like, so, like I said, we're in our 10th season, so there's been so much happen. Um, yeah. I've got a bit of a list here, so I'll, <laughs> okay. I'll, uh, a few stories, Chair. You can give a few shout-outs to some uh, guys in your league as well if you want. <laughs> uh, yeah, all right. So, um, we had, we've had we had owners macked, uh, sacked mid-season. Okay. Um, we've had caretaker, caretaker owners come in. Uh, basically, players just didn't check their team. Yeah, like, yeah. And everyone was that's just not on, so everyone was shooting yeah, with that. Exactly. So, we decided to boot them out. Yep. Uh, we've had team owners relegated to the bottom of the ad drop because they haven't paid their league fee on time. Yeah, nice. We have one bloke in our league, Axel, who just refuses to do uh, <laughs> internet transfer and he always wants to pay in cash. Oh, so, God. Yeah, that's, right. always, that's always an issue every year. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so we've, we've had draft sanctions. Okay, we've yeah, had a go through that. collusion between two players. Um, basically what they were doing was, I think they were trading... Uh, players and picks to each other but they weren't intending to use the the picks in the draft and oh, okay yeah, yeah just so to kind of prop up their teams throughout the season yeah yeah, yeah. and helping each other out okay. so sort of gave them draft sanctions they, they, yep. weren't, they weren't too happy with that but oh, well. yeah too Top bad <laughs> um i've also had draft sanctions for people arguing in the facebook group actually <laughs> i actually got quite got quite personal uh, okay yeah they started like taking shots at each other's family members and things like that yeah <laughs> i reckon if that was my league we'd have sanctions on a weekly basis yeah so. yeah yeah so um 
yeah, that, that got pretty intense. So we just like we told them they had to stop, and then we decided to. Uh, I, I can't, I can't even remember what it was. It was years ago, but I think we took took a first or second round pick off of them. So yeah, okay, well, yeah, yeah, harsh but fair, I guess. Um, we've had people quit the league and they dropped off the face of the earth. Really? Yeah. So we have got a few like different friend groups in the group. Yeah. Uh, in the in the league, and I think one of the two other guys just disappeared. Okay. And we had to uh, get in two new two new owners. Yeah. Um, so basically, what we did was we dissolved the two teams into a draft pool. Okay. Oh, yeah. And then the two players sort of went pick for pick. Yep. And picked new team. Um, but it created two monster teams. Yeah. Like right. Very do- dominant teams. Yeah. Um, Stankel, the guy I mentioned yep. before. Yep. Uh, it's just been dominating for years. So. Yep. I've always wondered about that. If, yeah, we can't find new players or something, like how do you go about, yeah, and if we were to drop people back to the draft pool, is that how it work? Or? Yeah. I mean, I we, we, we contemplated doing a thing where, you know, they could pick one or two players off every list and then yep. the other players went back into the, the draft pool and stuff. Yep. We, yeah. We went over it and we decided that was the best option, but maybe- It'll even itself out over a number of years. Like you've been going for 10 years, so yeah. over, over time it probably will, but yeah. yeah. All right, mate. Uh, any other any other funny stories? Or? Um, not really. I mean, we get together a year to draft. We yeah. do a live draft. Biggest usually, night of the year. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. a good night. Uh, we yeah. usually go to someone's house. So the last few years, we've actually done it in a pub as well. So oh, yeah. That's pretty cool. Change it up a bit, but yeah. Cool. Thanks for coming on the Kiefer League this week and uh, having a chat about your uh, about your league and about your team. And I uh, wish you all the best for this season and hope yeah, the uh, don't don't know don't think I'm, <laughs> I'm more more likely to win the Smegma again than uh, oh well. I hope the uh, rebuild successful. Then you get a few good draft picks and uh, yeah, take it from there. Cheers, mate. Thanks, right, mate. Take it easy. All right, thanks to uh, Rory for that one. Some uh, good stories about his league. And yeah, I like these um, league spotlights just because they give you kind of ideas for things that you can do in your league, I reckon. Um, there's a lot of things we've actually heard from there we've been discussing we might be bringing into our league. So yeah, thanks to everyone who's kind of uh, contributed because yeah, I guess, you know, it's, it's sometimes it's not even the footy side of things, it's some side of the fun fun sort of things that you do off the field that kind of make your keeper leagues great. So these things are good fun to listen to and uh, yeah, get some ideas from. All right, uh, let's move on to our first uh, league analysis. So the uh, first te- uh, team we're going to be looking at today is the Geelong Football Club. We are Geelong, the greatest team of all. all right, we're looking at the uh, Geelong Football Club. Uh, they're always on the ball and hopefully you're on the ball in terms of your fantasy research this season and if you're not we'll hopefully get you there so uh, yeah let's start having a look at a few players so Kays maybe you go with your uh, first one so uh, who are you looking at today yes so I actually have a bit of a warning alert oh, okay uh, yeah so interesting way to start yeah so we're gonna start off a bit different it's uh Scott Selwood now I just want everyone out there just to not be fooled by this bloke mm-hmm. so you can look at his average and he actually looks quite good when you go uh, when he pops up on the on your screen and you go, oh, yeah, look, he's about an 80 average player. Yep. His issue is he hasn't actually played more than 12 games in a season since 2014. Yeah. So right. that's basically four or five years and hasn't registered more than 12 games. Yeah. Yes, he had a season average of 99 back in 2017, but in his other four seasons, he's only averaged under 80. And yes, while he can score on his day, there's just so many risk factors with Scotty Selwood at the moment, and I just want everyone to just be very, very wary before you're drafting him. You just never know what he's going to get because of his role with the Cats. Yeah. You know, sometimes he's going to play that outside um, fantasy-friendly style of footy, and the next day is going to be a lockdown tagger, yeah. and your team's gone to shit. <laughs> I think there's actually also a massive chance this year he might not actually be best 22 at Geelong. Yeah, okay. Because he's kind of fluctuated in and out you know, a lot due to injury um, and potentially a bit of form. 
But if her season doesn't start well for the Cats uh, by some miracle that they're, you know, struggling, I yep. reckon he might be the first one outside their team. He's 28 years old and I think that he will be the one copying the pressure, especially when we've got some of these other guys we're going to talk about shortly coming through who are exciting, flashy, got some serious talent. Yeah. I just think Scott Selwood's that one who's really borderline best 22 for the Cats this year. Yeah, for me, I guess he's one of those players that you do worry about a bit. And if he is available in your draft pool, which he might be in a few leagues, a few um, coaches might be looking to get rid of him. Is it the type of player that you take? And you know, do you take like an eighty average from a uh, from a midfielder, or do you try to go with potential? Try to get a you know a young buck in who might average more over time. Mm. I think it's about time you look that way. Um, someone that you start looking at a bit later in the draft. I think Scott Selwood. You know, but if you're rebuilding or you're a, you're a, you're putting your emphasis on youth or something like that, yeah, he's probably someone. That that you're not really going to go Nero. It's a tough one because if you're getting an 80 average mid who's playing every week yeah. and scoring 80 every week. If that's your last mid. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. But this guy's going to score you 40 points one week and 120 the next week. Yeah. Yes, he might win you a game, but at the yeah. same time, he's so risky that he might lose your final yeah. or a game and he potentially is injured for half the season too. So yeah. he's just a bit of a warning for me. And uh, yeah, I think there's just a lot better options out there, especially in that you know, mid kind of uh, mid mid draft play for sure. Yeah. So Heffer, your first player. All right. I uh, talked about him previously, but uh, and I won't talk about him for long because uh, I think everyone's aware of him by now. But uh, Brandon Parfit, um, he's had his name associated with the words midfield minutes, which is what we like to uh, cash hear money in the off season. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. Average seventy five last season. Had four tons. Uh, Fifty six a year before that. So that shows to me a change in role. Um, and he's someone that uh, Geelong are actually investing more time into. Mm-hmm. Um, he lacks uh, the consistency of, uh, I guess, your, your, your better mids, but he's a DPP, so and he's going to get more midfield time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I reckon he could be really solid this year. Um, if you own him, I'd be holding on to him. If not, pick him up. I doubt he's going to be in too many pools, but uh, yeah, keep an eye out on uh, Brandon Parfit. Yeah, very handy player, um, very talented. He's got that kind of shine about him. He's uh, very classy. I think, yeah, DPP obviously brings him up. Yep. And as I like, uh, third year breakout. So yeah, this is his course. year to go. Yeah. Um, rightio, the next player for me is another youngster. Uh, he's only in his second year. It's Charlie Constable. So he has some serious pedigree. Yep. Um, he averaged 95 in the under-18 champions championships a couple of years ago. And that year also had 82 in the TAC Cup. So pretty solid numbers as a kid. What I like is that big, tall midfielder. So he actually has been compared to Paddy Cripps, I think, um, Chris Scott said that uh, late last year. Yep. He's that 191 centimetre big boy. That's tall. That's big. Um, and that seems to be the way that everyone's drafting their mids this year. Like They like that big, big Crips like, you know, maybe not as big as Crips, but uh, <laughs> he, um, yeah, he had to- No really, one's as big as Crips, mate. <laughs> nah, he had a really solid uh, average in the VFL last year. 87 for your first year, which is um, pretty good going. Played a fair few games there. And uh, before Christmas is flagged for that magical midfield time too this year. So I know he was actually very close to playing a lot of footy last year, but for some reason just never ended up finding his way into the team. The issue is with the Geelong team is their midfield's going to be pretty packed. Like yeah. They've got lots of quality. They've got, you know, your Dangerfields, your Selwoods, um, Dalhouse coming into the mix this year. I'm just not sure where he fits in. But if we're talking about ones of stashes or for people with dynasty legs or yeah. starting him out, he's one that I like to take late because he's that he's got that good size. Yep. Uh, he's shown he can score in the past and he's obviously scored pretty well last year in the VFL for a first-year player. 
So I think this is one that you should be, you know, have on your radar because he could actually be that one this year or definitely next year who just goes bang, especially as some of these guys slow down. You know, yeah. I know Dangerfield Selwood there, you know, late 20s, uh, getting into the 30s, which is still fine. I've still got a couple of good years left, but it'll yeah. be one that they'll be pushing through as that big mid. Yeah, I guess uh, I think that's the draft doctors that say it best with Geelong is uh, there's too many mouths to feed. Um, yeah, a lot of people running through that midfield and there's not a lot of points to get. Um, for me, I guess, um, well, the, there's talk this year that Ablett is not going to be spending as much time in the midfield, more time up forward. I think last year he was 29% forward mm. and they reckon, you know, 35% to get DPP. So, um, but that's, I guess that's kind of off topic. But the thing is that there might be a midfield spot or some more midfield time there that someone could take. Is Charlie Constable the guy that comes in and does that? I guess they've got a few good young mids, so Parfit could be the one who just jumps straight into that those extra mm. extra minutes. Yep. Um, but yeah, we'll have to wait and see. But I reckon Casey right with the uh, the stash factor. Um, if you've got a deeper league, lock him away because I reckon he will be good. Although the uh, eighty seven in uh, VFL um, is probably not as big as some other players as well. So first year, first year though, I think yeah, that's true. A good thing. Lucky yeah, he's yeah. jumped from good a- point. TAC Cup into VFL level, and yeah, eighty seven points is nothing to sneeze at. As a first year player so yeah no good point that's tracking quite well yep no i agree with that all right my next player is uh jordan cunico and i like this guy because he's a bit of uh left field but uh you might be thinking hey have you crazy he only averaged 75 last year but uh hear me out um so when we did our breakout tracker uh which analyzed um players at the same point as their, in their career as the best players in the competition in terms of fantasy. Um, he's four points ahead of the top 20 midfielders. Um, so from there, I think that's something that we can actually take a look at. So if we look at him in a bit more depth, he got one ton um, last year and had three scores in the 90s, but he's only played 15 games. So I, I know he's been around for a couple of years, but 15 games, it's kind of like he only played one game in his first year. So last season was kind of like his his first year, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we look at his VFL numbers, he's averaged 140 five there um, with a 1.5 to 1 kick to handball ratio so you know he kicks a lot more he's a pure outside mid so for there he doesn't get those inside numbers so I don't think he's ever going to be you know a 100 plus kind of average player but I reckon he could easily push into the 90s in the next few years mm-hmm. kind of play that Joe role, uh, Pollock type role yep. um, yeah on the wing and uh, yeah score you some pretty handy scores what do you think Case? Well you, you mentioned the 15 games, only playing that many, but yeah. I think we've got to remember that Geelong have been quite a strong team for quite a long time. So yeah. they're those younger players who potentially don't get the opportunities in these good teams because there's, you know, there's actually so many guns ahead of them. You know, like if he was at a um, Gold Coast or yeah. something like that, or Brisbane, he probably would have been, he would have been 50 games up by now or yeah, close yeah. to that. So I think you can cut him some slack there. But as we spoke about in that um, breakout tracker pod, you know, one ton and three nineties in AFL and you kind of, first slash second year that's good going it shows you can uh, really accumulate the ball score well um and i think with with um you know geelong getting stronger and you know potentially him getting more game time i think that's really positive and i'd be looking at him very very strongly yeah for sure Hmm. um my final player well it's not really a player it's more of a collection so um, if you haven't really taken too much note, basically Geelong have 56 people that can ruck in their team. They've just <laughs> – well, there's basically six ruck options, really, yeah. if you include Mark Blitzards. So I just want to break it down because it's a pretty tough kind of thing to, to break through. And potentially if you are starting a league, I wouldn't go for a Geelong ruckman because – 
there's just too many options that can come in and screw you up and you're going to have to draft so many rucks to, to kind of handcuff each other. Yep. But I just want to go through all of them just quickly. So I would be avoiding Zach Smith at all costs. Yep, um, from what I've read, he's down the pecking order and hasn't really shown much. He hardly has even played that much over the last few years. He's got a name, so people might pick him late because they know you know know the name. Just yep. avoid him. Yep. Also avoid Wiley Buzzer. Yes, he does have a bloody great name, but unfortunately he's just no good at fantasy football. And it's- I've heard a bit of a rumour he's got a bit of a eye condition or something that's preventing him, preventing him from actually playing good footy. So he might actually be gone in the next couple of years. Right. I don't know how much truth there is to that, but uh, yeah, kind of steer clear of Buzzer, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, my don't get too excited is Ryan Abbott. So yes, he did average 93 last year, but that was really only in three games. And yes, while that's exciting and it looks pretty good, he is apparently another one who's struggled at training so far or just not coming along as they thought. Yep. Um, but I also think he's quite old. He's like 27, 28. Yeah, he's 27. So, yep. So he's, um, you know, especially if he's starting off, like he's only got a couple, he potentially has a few years left at, at best. Yep. So the safe option from the Cats for me is Reese Stanley. So he's mobile. He's really actually been improving the last three years. He's kind of gone from a 60 to 70 to 80 kind of average. And he's apparently the one fighting for the number one spot. He's quite good because he can kind of float forward. Kays, I think you're uh, alluding to someone here. I think you really want to talk about someone in this uh, Geelong uh, ruck situation that you've got a bit of a crush on. I do because <laughs> I'm getting to our first ever rookie we're talking about on this particular season in the pod. Darcy Fort. He is an actual beast. He had big numbers in the SANFL last year. Uh, he's a mature body and he's actually really turning heads at the cats with his work rate and what he does. Him and Stanley are fighting for that number one ruck spot. I think they both play. Uh, I think they're both good enough as that forward option. Yeah. What I like about Ford is he gets his own ball and really gets around the ground. Uh, he averaged 103 in the SANFL last year for Central Districts against, you know, AFL quality Ruckman. And I think he is one that can go bang. He's only 26, I think. So, you know, uh, as Ruckman mature late, he's ready to go. And he could really play footy for the next six years, I reckon. He's uh, he's a good player. So he's the one I'd be looking at if you were going to go down that line of drafting a Geelong Ruckman. For me, I think, well, obviously you've said the safe option is Stanley. For someone like Ford, I still would worry with someone like Abbott in front of him. I would say probably Ford is probably now almost third down the pecking order, I reckon, if I was going to rank them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we do harp on about, uh, you know, people who are good state league scorers, but you got we do have to remember that it's a different ball game when you do yeah. get to AFL. True. Um, there is some good indicators there and there's certain things about their game that can uh, can uh, be conducive to good fantasy scoring. But, uh, yeah, I think we've just still got to be mindful that it is a different league it's a step down mm-hmm. and um, it, just because they're a good fantasy at the lower level um, they're not always going to make that translation that said I'm probably still going to be referencing a lot of VFL and uh, Neville scores in this podcast so um, yeah. yeah we can take that with a grain of salt I think alright cool who are we up to next I'm going to talk about Lockie Fogarty just to uh, finish it off um, played 15 games in his first season so to me that says he's actually you know in a Geelong side that did end up making finals didn't go too well but uh, you know we always talk about how stuff started that out and if he can play 15 games in his first season um, I think he missed a couple through injury and then play a few in the VFL as well so um, yeah um, average 57 in his uh, first season so not too bad uh, considering you know what some of the other top scorers have done in their first few seasons um, he had a top score of 96 so didn't break the ton and had a few score in the 70s but really I think he's just more of a stash player at the moment so I do think he'll actually be a good fantasy player um, so 97 in the VFL uh, when he got dropped back and then uh, had eight and a half tackles per game so apparently he is an elite tackler. So I was reading last year's prospectus and they were really talking up his tackling numbers, which
which makes sense is um, the way they plan to play him as a pressure forward um, to actually apply that tackling uh, pressure and a good goal scorer, um, but not so much at AFL level. Yep. Um, they, yeah, so, but when he goes back to VFL or in the TAC Cup, I guess in the under 18 champs, um, he was played as a midfielder. And he actually averaged uh, in 2017 at the under 18 uh, champs, he averaged the third most points per minute behind uh, Jack Higgins, who we've, uh, everyone raves about is going to be a good fantasy scorer, mm-hmm. and the Warpedo, who we reckon is going to have a decent year this year. So he's actually yep. the third player in terms of fantasy scoring behind those guys. And then at TAC Cup, he averaged 123 points per game. So he's drafted as a mid but he's playing as a small forward. Mm-hmm. So if we look at someone like Josh Dunkley, who kind of, you know, mm-hmm. did a similar type thing, started out as mid, then moves in, uh, sorry, started as a forward, then moves into a midfield. It might take him three or four years, but I reckon he could do something pretty similar. Yeah. So for me, grab him and stash him if you can, because um, I think he's going to be someone decent in the future. No, I totally agree. I think it's always important to note that a lot of mids uh, from the draft end up playing that half forward, flank forward pocket role in their first couple of years anyway. You know, yep. Higgins was doing that last year for Richmond. Yep. Um, you know, it just, it's just that natural progression through to, to getting those midfield minutes. Um, yeah, obviously looking at all of his uh, his stats from the last few years, it's all looking beautiful. Uh, yeah, I'd have absolutely no issues drafting Fogarty um, at all. Potentially even I'd throw him an early to mid pick as a, you know, a chance if, it's tough with Geelong's team, but yeah. he's definitely got enough positive signs to say that yeah, he's going to be he's going to be a player in the future. Yeah, all right, that wraps it up for Geelong. So on to the Gold Coast. Man, that is a horrible theme song. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Gold Coast who we're talking about, and geez, you just look through their list, there's so many recycled players here, but um, I think that that could actually provide some fantasy value this season. Yeah, I like these teams because there's always uh, a lot of things to actually choose from, a lot of players to choose from in there. So There yeah. is, but we're going to start up the top with the cream of the crop, potentially oh, no. the greatest player in <laughs> AFL history, or will be. Just realised who we're talking about here. It's my man, Jack Bowes. <laughs> so obviously, if you've listened a bit, he's my man crush. But uh, it's all for a good reason. Uh, heading into his third year, the breakout year, as you like to know it here. Oh. And uh, look, he finished 2018 with scores of 85, 82 and 116 in those last three games. Look, he's classy. He finds the ball and is clearly now best 22 at the Gold Coast. What I loved reading the other day was the article that came out on afl.com.au about who's tearing up the preseason. Yep. And guess who it was, Hef? Everyone. It was Jack Bowes. (laughs) So he is now fitter than ever and has put on upper body size, which I can only assume is bad news for the rest of the competition. But uh, look, if you want to go back to his his stats, he's really got some good under-18 pedigree. Uh, He was the highest averaging fantasy player in the under-18 champs uh, with 106 points per game. And that was the best of any drafted player in that year. So, look, I think he's tracking along beautifully just with the the, the um, movement of players in and out of that club. Just for me, he screams out he's going to be uh, leading that midfield for a long time. And hopefully, uh, Stuart Jew gives him a fair crack for this whole season and we can see the best of bows. Now, I'm quite... I don't know. I like the idea of Jack Bowes breaking out this year, and I think it's quite possible, but I'm basing this on five games at the end of last season. Now, for most people, I would be saying steer clear or just monitor a bit further, um, but it might be that hair, haircut, mate, that's uh, yeah, 
getting me over the line. I'm not sure. But, uh, yeah, just to reiterate, we're basing this off not much, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, those under-18 scores are great. But, again, you know, we've uh, seen guys not never live up to them uh, before. But, yeah, I think we have seen glimpses. And I guess there is a, a clear change in role this year. So, he's not playing across uh, half-back anymore. He's going into that midfield. Uh, I'm going to say this. All throughout this uh, Gold Coast uh, segment, I have concerns about how much uh, Gold Coast are actually going to win possession as a team, as a club, yep. um, and how much ball is actually going to go around. Um, so that's just one thing to think about. But yeah, Jack Bowes, I don't know. I'm willing to give him a go um, just because I know how keen you are on MK. So uh, yeah. yeah, good friend. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on to uh, Lockie Weller for me. So he averaged 74 from the past two seasons. Um, he's, we talked about kind of like uh, Nathan Wilson last week, how he goes to a new club um, and he kind of plays that halfback role and we expected yep. probably a little bit more from him, but yep. I guess it could be just kind of learning the new system. Mm-hmm. Like, like I just said, Gold Coast don't win heaps of the pill. Yep. Um, but the thing is, it is in their, in their defensive 50 quite a bit, so mm-hmm. there should be opportunities there. Um, he averaged close to 80 from his last 10 games, uh, some selective stats taking there yes. but <laughs> 80 from his last 10 games um i have a feeling that he's going to spend a lot uh, sorry the ball is going to spend a lot of time in the gold coast defense as well so um yeah plays a fantasy friendly role surprised he hasn't done more already so i don't know um he looks good. He started to show signs at the end of last year. Coming into his fourth year, he's learnt the Gold Coast system now, whatever that is. Yeah. Um, do we think he can actually do anything else this season? I think uh, with Weller, and it does happen where players take a bit of time to you know, adjust to their surroundings. You, know, yep. you look at someone like Jack Redden, who came from Brisbane to yeah. West Coast. Yeah, good was point. a gun at Brisbane, basically struggled for a year or two at West Coast, and then last year finally... Whatever got happened, back to clicked, yeah. and he became another fantasy. He, you know, became fantasy relevant and actually really, really good again. So, look, Weller was highly touted. They really moved the earth to get him to the Gold Coast. He wanted to go there too, which obviously helps. I think I'm happy to cut him some slack for that one year. He's still young as well. We can't. He's only 22, I think. Yeah, you, know, you can't. Up. You can't be too rough uh, on someone like that, especially when you come into a team where, like the Gold Coast, where potentially they liked a fair bit of leadership and a fair bit of, well, you know the team's not as strong. So, you know, you have to shoulder a lot more weight than what you do when you come from a, a slightly better team. So, yeah. um, you know. I, I think, think he'll go better this season. High definitely. high 70s, low 80s, I reckon. Oh, right. I think he's an easy and 80 average yeah, okay. player. I yeah. think that's uh, that's a given. Yeah, as you said, it potentially is just an issue how much cheap or easy ball they can get, yeah. you know, when it, when they're going to be struggling for, for, um, for finding their own pill. Yep. Uh, the next bloke I'm going to talk about is another man I'm a big fan of. Uh, the hyphen, George Holland-Smith. Okay. He's always been just so far down the pecking order at Geelong, and I just don't understand it. Maybe it's because he's slow, but um, look, what happens is is when he finds the ball, he scores. He yep. When he actually plays, sorry, he, he scores big time. He has four career tons to his name. Uh, he scored 123 against the mighty Port Power last <laughs> what, year. What a game. And I think what's going to play in his favour is that he's always been spoken of very highly uh, in terms of leadership and those kind of qualities at, at uh, Geelong. And I think that's one of the reasons the Suns uh, were happy to take him up there because I think for them he's going to play well and score well because, as I said, when he plays, he scores. I think that him and um, Miles might actually be battling out for a spot or two potentially. Yeah. It just depends on what they want to do with um, you know, their younger kids like their Bows and their Brodies and that kind of thing. And, yep. and potentially Ainsworth, you know, where Fair where does that yeah, where did that where does that all sit in their yep. in their scheme of things? So um, while I am keen on drafting him because I know what he can produce, there's still that risk factor of, you know, is he gonna get 
you know, a game every week. Hopefully, because I think he deserves it. He's a, he's a good player, but it's just going to be a bit of a tricky setup with the with the Gold Coast as well. Yeah, it sounds harsh, but I'm not even sure if he's best 22 at Gold Coast. We'll have to wait and see. He should be, but I guess there's a lot of those players that are around the same type. And just, uh, we'll touch on this again later, but Stuart Jew's form with more senior players and uh, I guess how they how they um, fit into his system. Uh, again, whatever that is. It is a bit um, rough, though, if you're drafting in oh, miles, yeah. miles and... Uh, the hyphen and you're not playing him. Yeah, I know. You know, so yeah. hopefully that's not the case. But, but you kind of look what he did to Barlow last year. I guess different age because he's a bit older. Yeah. But, um, you know, a guy that was probably pretty clearly best 22 in most mm. clubs, I guess disposal efficiency issues and, like, a speed. But still, yeah. I don't know, he was 150 average in the knee for yeah. a lot of games. It's pretty ridiculous. It's weird. <laughs> anyway, must have been something going on there. Um, okay, we'll move on to the uh, to the next uh, player, and that's Will Brody. So we've talked about him before. I'm not going to harp on too much more because I don't want to bore you. But he averaged 68 uh, last season from eight games and then 64 the year before that. He's a former top 10 pick, so I guess that's probably worth noting. Probably means not as much now into a few scenes of AFL, but someone who was rated pretty highly. Stuck in the kneeful for a large chunk of the season, but averaged 23 to disposals in five matches uh, and he played uh, until he pinged a spring I uh, played AFL I guess until he pinged a spring, uh, string later on in the season uh, apparently he attends a, a high number of centre bounces I've been able to, unable to check that stat but uh, that's something I've uh, heard somewhere along the line uh, with Lions Hall Barlow etc all gone um, we're hoping he can break into that midfield but as we've already talked about they've brought in some other midfielders so whether that holds him out but um, I know he was working really hard on adding more strings to his bow so adding more of an outside game um, to his role because he was very inside before and he kind of developed that in the Neeful uh, this year. So in the Neeful he averaged uh, 105, uh, 13 kicks, 15 handballs, 28 disposals uh, from eight games. So what do we think, Kays? Does Will Brody crack into the side this year or not? Um, I've always had time for him and I, I quite rate him, but I hope he does. But I'm a bit wary because of what he's kind of produced in the last yeah. uh, year especially. I thought he was a big chance to, to take it to the next level last last year and just yeah. obviously just didn't get the games, which is uh, frustrating for him. He looks like he's got the ability to do that, but look, I don't even know where you put where you rank some of these guys. Like mm. who are you ranking? Do you rank Brody ahead of uh, Ellis or yeah. – I'm sorry, uh, Hyphen or yeah, uh, yeah. Miles? Like, where, you know, where do these kind of um, slower – potentially genuine sentiment fit in in, yeah. the, in the side. So um, I think he might be given more benefit of the doubt because he's younger and a yeah. higher draft pick I think and so he potentially too. gets that game ahead of someone else because of that. So um, I'd be – where would I draft him? I don't even know. I, yeah. It, it, potentially a mid. I, yeah, I, mid to late. Last year, if you asked me, I would have said high or early. But I think just um, potentially what he delivered last year, not major warning signs, but I just potentially want to see something. Yeah, yeah definitely. Sense. Yeah. Right, so uh, the next player, another recycled player into the club, is Corey Ellis. So I'm actually quite strong on this guy for being a very handy mid to late pickup this year because he has defender status. So um, he hardly played much for Richmond last year. Um, he has played 27 career games in four seasons from Richmond, but I'm willing to cut him some slack because Richmond have been quite strong the last couple of years and um, been a pretty tough side to break into. But he averaged 86 in his 16 games at VFL level last year. And as a defender, if he can kind of replicate similar numbers in the AFL, uh, it's not going too badly. So he's one I've got my eye on, especially because of that. He's got that DPP. I think he's going to get more opportunity. I'd be surprised if he's not starting uh, in the Gold Coast side come round one because I think he has a bit of ability. Hef? 
Uh, yeah, he's kind of like a player that I've taken no notice of in the past. Yeah. But um, yeah, what when I was putting the VFL stats together, it actually yeah noticed that um yeah he was doing quite well um as a defender as well, and I think. You know, we've always we always talk about how defenders are uh, harder to come by, and good defenders are anyway. So I think that gives him a little bit of extra value this year, going to a new club. You know, we hope that they can play fit into their role a bit more and play. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of players do actually go to a new club and perform better. So we're hoping that's uh, that's the case for Corey Ellis. But yeah, I reckon he's worth a look, uh, depending on how deep your draft is. If it was our draft, I'd take him. Probably, I'll try to take him around mid round. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, run one of the middle rounds. So um, yeah. yeah, no, definitely worth a look. I think. I think as we've spoken about before, with with players with defender status they always kind of bump up your ranking slightly. And I think because he potentially has that chance to, to be a solid defender for a few years to come, um, yeah, just always rate a defender a bit high, more highly than a, than a mid or a forward. Yeah, of course. All right, next player we're looking at is Anthony Miles. So, um, played one game last year for an average of 78. We scored 78 in that game. Uh, he had five in uh, five games in 2017 for an average of 73.2. Uh, 84 across his last 20 games of AFL football. So, that's actually over three seasons, but yeah, average 84 um, over that. Uh, he was squeezed out of the, uh, Richmond's uh, side when uh, Prestia and Caddy uh, came along. And, but he's still scoring big numbers in VFL. So, averaged 107 last year with 15 kicks, 13 handballs and three marks and four tackles per game. Uh, GC brought him in, so Gold Coast brought him in because they uh, need some senior mids, uh, but I'm still not 100% sure he'll play. What do you think, Case? Oh, I think he will. Um, I think I'm, I'm actually quite keen on him uh, heading into this season, so uh, I wouldn't be, you know, if he was in my draft, I'd be taking him early because I think if he plays and he should be playing, he just scores. He's an accumulator. Um, as you said, 107 in the VFL last year. I think that 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 number will correlate over to to what he can do at Gold Coast, and yeah, while there's a few players kind of up for the same spot, I think that he's potentially ahead of um, I don't know. I'm, I'm probably um, contradicting myself every time I talk about <laughs> a different player, but um, I do quite like Miles this year, and I think um, if he's available that mid to late because he might slide a bit, just because um, you know people are a bit gun shy of him but i reckon he's uh he he's gonna be scoring yeah all right cool let's move on um right the next player for me uh is darcy mcpherson so uh this kid started 2018 on fire with a 97 and 98 and then he only actually played three more games before injury ruined his season so that left him with an average of 71 he played the final two games of the NEFL season and finished the year with a 38-touch, 12-tackle, 169-point game against the Sydney Reserves. Now, this kid was most definitely best 22 at the Suns before his injury, so please don't be put off by his lack of games towards the end of the season when he's doing his uh, research. He was just injured. And I think when he's fit, he's going to be a real handy player for the Suns. As a forward option, uh, I think he's going to be a great mid-to-late choice to me because he uh, it looks like he can really accumulate and, you know, yes, the, the couple good scores in the AFL at the start of the year look good, but I think that was really, really brought home with that 169-point uh, game against the Swans in the in the NEFL. Yeah, he's going to be a player that I'm thinking a lot of coaches out there are hoping the rest of their league forgets about. Yep. Um, yeah, showing some good form last season and unlucky with injury, but uh, yeah, try to uh, keep him under the radar and, you know, hopefully the rest of your league doesn't listen to the Keep League podcast, even though we want you uh, to be <laughs> spreading the word. But um, yeah, so Darcy McPherson, if you've... Uh, if he's available in your league and you've got a chance to snap 
step him up, uh, do it with confidence, I reckon. Yeah. Rightio, and the last player for the Gold Coast is Ben Ainsworth. Now, a lot of our listeners are really quite keen on uh, this kid. So he's played two seasons for 29 games with an average of basically 60 in both of those seasons. Uh, so last year he played, he had four of his 16 games at 80 plus. Um, and I think with natural improvement uh, heading to that third year and potentially, well, hopefully, a bit more opportunity, uh, he could be that really nice mid-draft option, especially as a forward. So he's actually forward only um, in AFL Fantasy this year. So um, it'll be interesting because people might uh, let him slide a bit, just not being DPP. But uh, for someone like him, I think he's got a lot of uh, potential to score. Hef? Yeah, again, n- another one that's really popular um, this season. For me, though, um, he I did have a look at uh, <clears throat> his uh, a few of his attributes. He is kind of a bit smaller um, on the smaller side for uh, for an AFL player. So I guess that makes sense why he's been playing a bit more uh, up forward um, yep. in his AFL in his AFL career. Uh, for me, I'm not sure if he's at, like because I guess he's rated really highly because of his uh, junior stuff and mm-hmm. he played a lot of midfield. Yep. And I guess being like a, a big fish in a uh, small pond, I guess. And coming into AFL, I don't know if he's actually built for midfield but we've seen people like Caleb Daniel and things do since in there so yep. not out of the question just be uh, wary that he might be kind of earmarked as just a, a, a small forward a very good small forward but yep. not one that's actually conducive to fantasy scoring but considering he's, he's uh, spot in for forward for f- fantasy wise sorry I can't even get that out but um, <laughs> look as a forward you know it, it always helps with uh, with drafting those kind of players who have that ability to, to take it to the next level and he could be with that guy. Yeah, for sure. All right, that's it for uh, Gold Coast. So we're going to move on to GWS. All right, last team we're looking at today is GWS. So we're just going to get stuck straight into uh, these guys and I'll be talking about my first player, which is Jacob Hopper. So he averaged 78 last season, which is up 13 points from the previous season. Now, a lot of injury concerns in the past, but it's actually good to see him get 18 games in a season under his belt. Mm-hmm. Um, we're hoping that he's kind of moved past that. But the fact that he played in two of GWS's finals means he's easily in their best 22 these days. And he's got a really um, good balance between contested and uncontested uh, possession um, when he, in his football. So I guess he's similar to Shiel, who left um, GWS last se- season mm-hmm. to go to Essendon. So uh, could this be the year for Jacob Hopper, Kate? Um, it has to be. Yeah. I think that uh, Shiel's departure just means that Hopper slots straight into his spot. Uh, for me, he's the natural the natural. Um, position taker from for Shiel. Yep. I think that Hopper and uh, Taranto are going to dominate that GWS midfield for years to come. And yeah, I think this is Hopper's year. He's obviously shown that he can play. It's just been a bit frustrating to watch him go through some injury issues and all that kind of thing. But I think hopefully 2019 can be the year and I'd get on board uh, early in a draft. Yeah, cool. All right, who's next, case? Uh Next one for me is Nick Haynes. So uh, he's the Mr. Consistent of the GWS backline. So he's kind of floated around that 72 to 74 average for the last three seasons. But uh, I can see a slight improvement this year for him. So what I like about him and and what's kind of important for for some kind of uh, draft leagues is that he played all 22 games last year. And that's very important because you want those guys who you can just have on your bench or have in that D5 position who you just know are going to play each week. And I think that's really important. Yeah. Um, He's not a massive sexy breakout uh, proposition for me. I think he's just going to be that, you know, high 70s, uh, early 80s kind of kind of uh, player, but I think that's a great D5 bench kind of uh, lock. So I'd be looking to draft him early to mid-late stages of a draft. Um, 
And look, for, for stats-wise, he had 13 of his 22 games uh, of 70-plus with a PB of 122. So on his day, he can go big. Uh, the only issue is for him, there were kind of three 30 scores last year, which yeah. is very, very bad. But um, look, I think if you're going to get that, um, there's that level for the for a defender, and if he's playing 22 games and averaging that, you know, mid to mid to high 70s, I think that's a good lock for me. Uh, yeah, he's someone I worry about with the kind of lockdown roles he does have to play from time yep. to time. Uh, you get one of those lockdown roles in the grand final, and you are screwed. So for me, um, I. Oh, no, someone probably ought to steer clear of um, just at risk of that because I'd try to go, get the guys who, you know, if they're going to average 80, I want them getting 80 every week and not mm-hmm. getting 100, then getting 50 the next week and that sort of stuff. So The issue for me is there's a lot of defenders who can't do that. I know. I know. So, you know, you either have to take the risk of someone who's going to play all 22 games yeah, yeah, and yeah. score relatively well or one guy who's going to be in and out of the side and is still scoring a bit up and down. So. Well, I guess the point is I'd probably rather take someone who could potentially do that. Like, so, so a kid coming through, a younger kid coming through or something like that. But um, yeah, we'll have to wait and see with uh, Nick Haynes this season. So... The next guy I'm going to talk about is Brett Delidio, and I don't have to say too much about him, all right? I want to know if he's cooked or does he have something to uh, give this season. So, case in 2012, he averaged 110, uh, but he's been on the decline ever since. Never got back to the height. If you look at his trend, it's like a triangle. It hits the peak and then it comes straight back down. Um, He's averaged uh, 79.4 last season, uh, which isn't horrible for a forward, but now he's a midfielder. Uh, Last Mm. seasons have been injury affected, um, but he did average 91.7 in 2016. Mm. So, is he worth anything as a midfielder? Is he worth picking up in a team that might be pushing for a flag? Is he worth picking up uh, trying to get the forward DPP? We don't like to bank on that, but what do you think, Case? Very, very interesting. Uh, as a midfielder, usually I'd say stay clear. Yeah. But what I learned from last year is that someone who really impressed me was Dale Thomas. Yeah. Now, Dale Thomas was that same guy who was a midfielder. He had so many seasons of bad scoring, injuries, all that kind of thing. Yep. But sometimes the cream kind of rises to the top. Now, if there's a bit less pressure on him to perform and be the an integral part of the, the GWS side, yeah. he potentially gets a bit of a floating role and can kind of be creative and do his kind of thing on a wing, half back, half forward, and potentially can be that guy who ends up being a you know your last centerman who can score a mid-80s kind of thing. And we've talked about that uh, being quite a good score for that last spot in any, in any, of, your, in any of your positions. Um, but, yes, there's a lot of risk. Yeah, and definitely. I would not be uh, taking him anywhere near the front or middle of the draft. Yep. If he slides to the back, he's definitely worth a worth a spot. Only probably only honestly if you're contesting for a flag. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. if you're bottoming out, he's not going to do anything for you and he's not going to um, give anything for your side for the future. But look, if, he, if you're contending, he could be a sneaky late pick for me. Yeah, I don't think it's out of the question. He might pop up and his average might jump into like, you know, an 80 to mid 80s kind of mm-hmm. scoring uh, role this year. But again, like you, you've said it perfectly, I think only if you are thinking of going for a flag, someone like me who's rebuilding, uh, I probably won't touch him till a bit later on if maybe I need some sort of security. But even then, I don't even know if he offers that with his uh, injury history. So, um, yeah, I think we've uh, looked at Brett Delidio enough and uh, let's move on to your next one, Kate. Righto, from someone old to someone very young, uh, Aiden Bonar. So, um, he was solid enough uh, finishing off the season last year in the AFL with four games. And I think that with Shill going, he's one that can slide into that team, not necessarily his spot, but slide into the team on a more consistent basis. So, um, in those four games, he averaged 59. I did have an 85 PB in one of those games. What I did like, he averaged 86 in the NEFL, uh, played 14 games there, and 
average close to six tackles per game, and I'm a massive rap on anyone who can tackle a lot. So I just think with Sheila out, Hopper probably slides into that midfield role, but I think potentially then he kind of can jump into that Hopper role or the, uh, what Taranto was playing last year. And I yep. think that he can get a bit more midfield minutes, but also just continually be in that best 22. Second year this year, um, one that I'm pretty keen on, especially is that uh, mid-forward. Yeah, I think he's going to take a little bit of time, uh, knowing his kind of injury back, uh, background as well. I think he's uh, done an ACL or even maybe a couple of them. Um, I think, I'm not 100% sure on that, but I think he was actually touted as like a number one draft pick mm-hmm. until he uh, got injured in that draft year. Um, so I think he's someone that uh, GWS are probably going to be a bit cautious with um, and not throw him under the bus uh, straight away. But I think when he does uh, come through, gets a few more games under the belt, definitely someone who could score you some fantasy points. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to move on to my next one, which is Harry Perryman. Uh, he played eight games in 2018 and eight in 2017 he averaged 55 in both of those seasons so how's that for consistency case bang on all right uh in nefal averaged 108.57 uh which probably equates to like a, a 70 across the NFL league uh but uh, highest average uh, he was actually the highest average for a gws player who played over five games than nefal Good so those guys who dropped back mm. uh you know for one game like brett Gilidio played one game and went bunter and uh yeah, yeah a few of them uh, went big but for a guy he actually played consistently in the NFL a lot of games in the NFL he was the kind of highest averaging scorer mm-hmm. uh, gets a lot of midfield time in the NFL um, but uh, I guess in uh, AFL we kind of get stuck on the defender um, in, in the defender role yeah. um, he's probably yeah, one of the better fringe players for GWS though if he was to battle for a midfield spot um, he's now battling with someone like Jai Coldwell who's uh, coming through the draft mm-hmm. but there's probably a spot in the midfield um, up for grabs at GWS so it depends who kind of takes that last spot so if he was to get something on a wing he could actually be a decent scorer uh zach williams comes back into the side this year so it's going to be harder for him to get a game in defense um with whitfield coming across halfback too so i wouldn't be surprised if at some stage they do try him on a wing or something like that and see how he goes Mm -hmm. and if that happens he could be a decent scorer but if that doesn't happen that's probably wishful thinking i can't see him getting into the side no matter how much of a good score he is at the uh at in the second level yeah, there's always going to be that plethora of talent in the GWS, yeah. you know, seconds where high draft picks, I think he was uh, pick 16 a couple of years ago. So, obviously, very highly touted. It's just going to be hard, but uh, he's probably in that second level down or that second string, you know, potentially a, a regular emergency or in and out yeah. side like that. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see their setup, you know, um, shoot out, you know. Not that he's definitely not taking that spot, but like just how they then re rejig their midfield and all that kind of thing, and who takes a bit more responsibility, and then you know potentially it's a one of their halfbacks kind of moving into a more wing into a middle, and that frees up a spot. We just don't know. So yep. um, definitely be watching him for the JLT. He's one of those ones that you'd be pretty keen on to see what he can do, and if he can score quite well, then uh, yeah, move him up your order. But yeah, probably your your, your mid draft for me, just because yep. you, you know you're basing that on on. Um, you know, previous previous stats in underage footy. For sure. All right, Kays, who's your last one? And the last guy from the GWS is Jeremy Finlayson. So uh, this is a guy I picked up in our draft last year and I thought he was going to be big smoky to be a breakout chance. Uh, unfortunately, I was wrong. Um, <laughs> he averaged 58 in his 14 games last year and um, four games into the season, he actually had two 90-point games and I thought, you beauty, I've found one. I've done it. <laughs> um, but after that, he ended up playing that more lockdown role, which uh, obviously his numbers decreased. Um, but I actually am willing to give him another go. Um, there's two reasons to this. 
Um, when I watched him last year, his interceptability is really quite good. He's actually a very tall uh, bloke, which doesn't always equate to good uh, fantasy scores. But um, if he can get that ability just to be freed up a bit and take those intercept grabs, uh, I think he's a, a really good chance to increase his average a bit there. Yeah. But the other point that is quite interesting is he took the second most kick-ins for GWS last Ooh, year. Oh, here we go. Yeah, so he started- He's a up now. Yeah, so what happened is he started taking the kick-ins from the start of the season and he sure actually didn't do them. But then uh, Finlayson got dropped- um, for a few weeks and then Shaw kind of came over and retook that role. My thinking is if Finlayson can slot himself into that best 22 and the fact that Heath Shaw is basically potentially his last year of footy, um, do they just give the opportunity to Finlayson? You know, they trusted him last year. Yeah. There's no reason they wouldn't trust him again to kick it out. Uh, the only issue is potentially he's a bit slow if yeah. he has to run out of that side. But, you know, if he's taking their second amount of kick-ins, you know, I think Whitfield was third. Yeah. It just shows that he, you know, even if he takes three or four a game, that's, you know, nine to 12 points extra a game that he can score. So, yeah. it just makes him, yeah, look, there's a bit of risk involved for sure. And it'll be a mid to late uh, pickup just because, um, you know, of what he can, what he achieved last year. But, you know, anyone that, has been gifted kick-ins. I think it's important to to bump them off a bit. Yeah, that's a good pickup. So that's something I wouldn't have even considered looking at for uh, Finlayson. So um, yeah, good stuff there, Kays. Um, yeah, I reckon there probably is um, a bit of responsibility they can hand to him there, especially yeah with Shaw on the go. And you mentioned he's slow, but he Shaw's not quick, and they still have him in his be- their best twenty-two because of his um, disposal, I guess. And if yep. he's kind of in a similar mould, then yeah, no reason why I don't see GWS playing him in the future. All right, this uh, these analysis uh, segments uh, we haven't looked at any uh, rookies, and the reason because we've done that is uh, we've done that in our patron podcast. So if you uh, enjoy the podcast and appreciate what we do, um, then maybe consider becoming a patron of the podcast. Um, Patrons are really the reason why we can put as much time into this podcast as we can because they're rewarding us uh, financially uh, to help us do that. Um, We've got lots of... Uh, good resources out for our patrons. They're exclusive only to patrons. You can only get them if you sign up, um, including our breakout tracker. We've got the state league stats. I've got waffle stats coming out this week uh, to help you guys have a look at the uh, Frio and uh, West Coast players on the fringe. Um, we've got all the underage stats um, and we're going to have our rankings coming up in the next few weeks and then some mini episodes on our rankings for people that are starting up new keeper leagues. So at the same time, uh, we'd like to thank our patrons on the show. So Kays, who signed up this week? Uh, a big thank you to Coach Dino White FC, who is a officially a commissioner uh, of our patron, which is fantastic. Our first commissioner, so thanks, Dino White FC. Oh, we've actually got a few commissioners there, Kays, but oh. uh, yeah. <laughs> Right. Not Sorry to one. everyone else. <laughs> but anyway, good on you, Dynamite. Uh, we've also got two dollars pledged by Wayne Mickelson, Tom Pusty, Mitch Swan, James Wilcourt, Hank Scorpio. Oh, a very famous name there. <laughs> <laughs> Joseph Cagney, Tom Scrout. And Sam Graffin. All right. So if you want to gain access to uh, all of this, uh, you can join for as little as a dollar per month. Uh, the good stuff starts at $2 though. But yeah, if you're keen to check it out, uh, go to patreon.com slash keeper league pod. All right, moving on to our listener tweets. So, Kays, who's uh, sent something in this week and uh, who do they, what do they want to look at? I will just preface this. We've actually covered a lot of the questions in our, yeah. um, our stuff before. So, if we don't actually read out your question, uh, it was all really helpful in, in helping us uh, work out some of our, um, our players that we focused on before. But uh, the first question is from uh, Aftershock's Keeper. His question is, will Narkle sparkle in 2019? <laughs> oh, great question. I like the little rhyme too. Uh, well, Narkle, 
he sparkled in his first game. Uh, scored 88 against the Bulldogs in round five. I think I remember him kicking a fair few goals in that game. Uh, and he looked pretty flashy. But he tapered off and went to a, a 50 average by the end of the season. Um, he's a decent size and a good ball winner. And uh, averaged uh, 18 disposals uh, a game um, and 76 DP, DT. I think that was in the VFL. Um, he's listed as a forward, but he was drafted as a mid. So with that big body in there, I think we're going to have to wait till that next wave of Geelong midfielders do come through. Mm-hmm. Um, so either stash and wait for their, all their star midfielders, or if you can't stash, maybe avoid for now. And because uh, he's going to be a small forward, I think for a little bit to come, well, yep. even though he's quite big, but uh, yeah. yeah, he's going to play that kind of roving forward role, yep. pressure forward type role for a few years, I think. And there's a few probably ahead of him in terms of getting more midfield minutes, your parfits, etc. So yep. um, if you are keen, um, definitely stick with him, but uh, potentially not this year, maybe next year. Is yeah, thinking he might be patient back. with him. Yep. yep. Uh, the next question is from at TWR412. Uh, is this year the year to buy stocks in Jack Bowes? And who gets the final two list spots between him, Chera, Marshall, and Ahern in his side? Yeah, so we've covered Bowes, so I reckon you could probably take him out of those uh, players you've listed. Uh, and then Chera, for me, as the uh, second guy on that list. Um, mm-hmm. Ahern was really close to sneaking in that list uh, there for me. Um, I'm a big fan of Ahern. Just the injury concern kind of uh, worries me a little bit. If if he didn't have those, I'd probably have him ahead of Chera, mm-hmm. I think. Um, just, yeah, because I'm, you know, how how much, how highly he was rated and he does actually look like he's going to be a good fantasy scorer. Yep. Um, Marshall was another quality player you're throwing back to the mm. pool, though. So you've got mm. four. It, it sucks that you have to throw two back and you can't keep all of them. The rest of your keepers yeah. must be pretty good yeah. or you just can't keep that many. Um, so for those other two, for Ahern and uh, Marshall, just make sure you try to get the best trade value, I think, available yep. if you do have the opportunity to trade them. Yeah, Marshall's one I think we might look at when we do St Kilda because, uh, yeah. yeah, he was quite... Uh, quite a good scorer last year for a big guy so yeah. um, but yeah obviously I am uh, number one supporter of the Jack Bowes fan club so <laughs> he's, uh, he's definitely, definitely making a list there. yeah and uh, yeah Chera I think he's going to be a really really classy player for years to come so that'd be my two as well yep right the next question's at Mitchell Swan so his question Isaac Rankin at the Suns seems like a total total freak but uh, any worries Rook's guiding his fantasy scoring? Uh, small, medium forwards, just not a lot to score well consistently. So we did a, our top 20 uh, draftees, and I'm not sure. I just can't actually think if he actually made the made list. Yeah, yeah, he didn't make the list out of our top 20 draftees. And now, you know, if you're drafting, you know, more than 20 uh, draftees in your draft, um, yeah, then you must be going pretty deep. Mm. But, uh, yeah, his junior numbers aren't great fantasy-wise. I think he had 81 in under-18s and uh, 62 in the Sandful. Um, playing seniors, though, and I know Sandful's probably notorious a bit of a tougher league for the uh, kids mm-hmm. to come up in yep. um, as opposed to the take up. But uh, yeah, 62, you know, there are guys um, like Jackson Haitley who are averaging big numbers in there, so it's not out of the question. Yep. Um, he's the kind of uh, player who'll kick five goals in a game, but he'll only get you seven kicks and three marks on top of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's not someone I'd go after. Uh, have a look at, um, you have to look at his fantasy game, and I don't think that fantasy game is strong yet. But that said, like if you look at someone like Chad Wingard, very similar, very flashy, small forward, absolute freak. Uh, with the ball and how well that's translated to midfield time once he's actually got the opportunity. So for me, deep stash, you want to be keeping him for three, four, five years or monitor and time the breakout. So when you think he's going to move into that uh, Gold Coast midfield, if he stays there, for me, he said he didn't really want to leave SA. Mm -hmm. So we might be coming back at some stage. So try to time maybe the uh, breakout with him, I think. Look, he's going to be a lock to play. Of course. Every game. AFL fantasy classic, you'd you'd want him in there because he's going to be making your money. Correct. But But as someone who's going to, you know, 
if he even scores those 62s, the SAFL numbers he did last year, I think that's probably where he's at. Yeah. That's 60 kind of at the moment. Look, we might get this completely wrong and he might be a, a fantasy stud. Yeah, but who knows? if you're going off um, from previous form, I just don't think he's going to be that guy that he's going to be a 100-plus player ever. The next question from at Mitchell Bagley 3. Is Fiorini as good a footballer as a fantasy player and will there ever be the danger of him becoming a new Anthony Miles? Yeah, well, I guess he's lucky he plays for Gold Coast and not Richmond like Miles did because mm-hmm. I don't think they've got a lot coming through that they're going to replace him with. And the guys that probably are in danger of taking his spot, which I don't think is that in danger at this point in time, um, are kind of fringe recycled. One of them is Miles, so yeah, yeah. and are kind of fringe recycled players. Um, they both average the same amount of clangers per game, so if you want to compare them, I guess. Um, neither have awful disposal efficiency. Not great, but kind of around the mark for most players in the comp. Um, Miles at Richmond was probably a result of the competition, though, and the yep. type of role he played. Yep. Um, I reckon there's room for both at Gold Coast. So I'm not too worried about Fiorini um, yeah, having any issues holding his spot at the moment. But, you know, Stuart, Stuart Jewel is kind of funny with, uh, with some players, especially if, you know, players that look like they're good accumulators and get good fantasy scores, but if they're not the best on the park and not contributing to his game plan, he is kind of ruthless with them. So I guess it is a little bit of a concern. What do you mm. think, Case? Yeah, poor Jared Lyons. Um, yeah. Yeah, look, I think Ferriani's gone. Um, I actually think he's a good footballer too, but yeah, um, Stuart Drew's becoming a very, very hard coach to, to figure out what he wants in his team because, you know, like um, Jared Lyons is winning every single stat at Gold Coast last year and yeah. didn't even finish top 10 in their best and Ferris and got, you know, draft, uh, moved on. So, yeah, yeah very, very weird. But um, look, I think plenty of time for Fiorini and as we touched on before, I think Miles, Miles will play and I think he's going to score very well if he does. Uh, the next question is from DanK101. Where would you take Brandon Parfit in a startup keeper league? And what do you think he can average in 2019? I'm keen on getting him in my startup keeper league. Cheers and really enjoy the podcasts. All right, guys, I'll let you answer that one. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, so we you talked about Parfit before. Look, for me, uh, I'd be a mid-draft for him. Yep. So, yes, he's shown potential. And yes, it's good you're starting up a keeper league and you've got to worry about the future. You've also got to remember that the blokes in when you're starting up a keeper league who are like that 25 to 26 year olds, they've still got five to six good years of footy left. Yeah. So don't go ridiculously ageist and go, I've got to go, you know, second or third year player. There's so many better players out there you've got to take before Parfit. Because if you're ne- neglecting those guys, you're kind of saying, I don't want to win for the next five years. And yeah. someone's got to win in those first five years. Like someone's yeah. got to win the first year. Yeah. Um, so like, I think it's kind of like a good idea to just get the monkey off the back. Mm-hmm. And while all your, or like maybe not all the time, depends on how, how you want to play this game. But yeah. um, if everyone's trying to draft all, you know, 21 year olds, 18 year olds, that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. just pick the proven scorers and win a flag, you yeah. know, especially if it's for cash and things like that and for yeah. pride and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Then you've, you've got like 12 months of bragging rights and then yeah. you've probably got years of telling blokes that, oh, you've never won a flag before. So what do yeah. you know yeah. <laughs> in every uh, footy argument? So. Exactly, which you love to do now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like it's all about balance in starting up a keeper leg stuff you know like yeah. maybe just get a young defender young mid young right young young forward in yeah. that time that you know you're going to keep them for a long time and then yeah maybe chuck in a path at mid midway you know round 10 round 12 if you're keen on them take them don't don't not take them but just remember that there are going to be a lot a lot of better players who are going to score very well for a long period of time who are proven before path comes up for me i take him probably a bit earlier than mid round and because i would probably be happy with someone like him as like a forward three and so mm-hmm. the way i kind of 
draft and it's kind of my draft formula and when I'm, especially when I'm doing uh, redraft leagues but uh, also I did the kind of very similar thing in my keeper league when we started ours which is when I when I draft I like to take a captain option first obviously mm-hmm. the best captain I think I took Dane Swan in our year yep. then I like to lock down two defenders two good defenders because and two guys that I think are going to stay as defenders mm-hmm. um, unfortunately I picked Heffel and uh, Jack Grimes so that uh, didn't work out too well Jack Grimes but, went well didn't he yeah very well turned into a captain but uh, <laughs> yeah didn't go so well fantasy wise and didn't really play too much football uh, but then I I try to lock down two forwards and I don't have him as my um, don't have him as my top two kind of tier forwards I think mm-hmm. and then I try to get back into the midfield and try to fill that out a bit more before looking back so for me I'd probably start looking at him around uh, round eight nine ten around mm-hmm. those rounds maybe around ten is probably the best uh, a better place to probably start looking at him so not mid draft but kind of in the first third I yeah. guess was yeah. where I'd probably look at him that's a fair call yeah um at Tom Petters, his question is, who's your best long-term keeper, Rock? And, yeah, that includes players to stash on your bench and ones that can score well uh, and that can use the trade bait a bit. So we're going to do a, a full pod and uh, release some data on our rankings for starting keeper leagues. Um, but I have put a bit of time into this and I will give away a few little secrets of what we've kind of discussed. So if you do enjoy what we're doing, uh, make sure you get on as a Patreon subscriber. But, look, if you're starting up a league, you can't go past Brody Grundy. Yeah, Like he's course. young and he's an absolute gun and he's going to be one for the next uh, so long. Look, I think in that next level, you're looking at uh, Jared Witts, uh, Nank, uh, potentially Sean Darcy there as your younger mids, uh, younger rucks. I think they're all under 25. So, yep. you're going to get lots of years of service there. For me, I'm a big Tim, Tim English man. So you are a big Tim, Tim English man. Yeah. So, hopefully, he still flies under a few radars. And if you don't take a ruck too early, I reckon he's one that will slide a bit because he's not, he's not proven, but I think he can score. Obviously, we've talked about uh, Darcy Fort, but at 26, he's still no young pup, but he's still young. You know, like a Ruckman only kind of matures from now on in. So he might not be best 22, though. So. Potentially. Yeah. But if we're talking uh, long-term stashes, and I know you're pretty big on this kid, uh, Hef, it's Kieran Briggs. So mm. he got drafted to the GWS this year. He actually played for them in the NEFL last year. Averaged 70, which is pretty good for a 17-year-old kid, uh, and went at 100 in the under-18s champs. So for me, seeing as Shane Mumford looks absolutely Absolutely cooked. Yep, done like um, a dinner. Yep. Oh, I would be hot on Kieran Briggs if you are if you're going a long term keeper. And then in between him, you've only got Dawson Simpson too. So he's clearly like their their future for them in terms yep. of their rug department. So yep. he's probably one of the bigger ones, like super long term. I think you're going to get the longest value out mm-hmm. of him over your uh, keeper league career. Uh, Rowan Marshall is another player. I think we talked about him just before, but he's another player I reckon that's uh, worth looking at. Yep. Uh, and that list is uh, 24, I think, and shown to be a decent fantasy scorer. Yep. Uh, Hickey gone. Longer is he? Is he the number one ruck? Was Rowan Marshall? I don't even well, know. Yeah, Longer has to be the number one ruck because basically yeah, yeah. no one else apart from yeah. Lewis Pierce. So yeah, um, yeah, interesting. But yeah, there's a few around there. But uh, yeah, make sure you sign up to our Patreon and you'll get all of our next stuff uh, coming in. And our last question for the day is from at Blackson. What's the best food to eat on draft night, pre-draft and during? Uh, well, um, I think we always go with the uh, the barbecue. Um, Kays, I've, I understand you've just become a, uh, a big fan of, well, you've rediscovered the Chico Roll. Um, and we've had a lot of talk about our uh, uh, the Chico Roll in our uh, group chat this week. And we've had a punting challenge to decide our draft order. Uh-huh. And we're thinking about spending the profits on the Chico Rolls. Correct. Uh, what do you think, Kays? Big Chico. <laughs> I'm massive on Chico. Look, I'm a, I'm a man who doesn't really like boned meat. So, yeah. uh, less bones, the better. Is that why I is that why you hate chop so much? That's why I'm not much chop. Yeah. Uh, that's the, the background story of my team name. But uh, look, I'm a big fan of a snag and bread. It's easy while you draft. You can hold it. Yeah. But yeah, we do a big meat spread. It's fantastic. But geez, yeah. I'm looking forward to 
the Chico rolls just being nicely deep fried while we're waiting there. And then they're <laughs> going to be, you know, come, you know, maybe around four or five, they're going to be an absolute delicacy in that little packet. We'll just be eating them, drafting away. It's going to be bloody magnificent. All right. Thanks for that one at Blackson. Uh, very good, funny question. <laughs> All right. That uh, wraps it up for this week. So, uh, yeah, make sure you follow us on uh, Twitter and Facebook at Keeper League Pod. Um, next year, next week, sorry, <laughs> we're going to have a, uh, a break from the uh, team analysis. And we're going to talk about uh, startup Keeper League. So we're going to look at some of our rankings, uh, some of our top rankings, I guess, for those. And, uh, yeah, just a few uh, general tips and tricks when you're starting up a Keeper League to help you be successful early. So, yeah. Hope you enjoy and yeah, have a great week and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you. See you later. Cheers.